Inspiration now in session. Inspire guys, people. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher. Let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you. Let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggled to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your genes. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People. Yo, I got a question for y'all. Can I have a dollar? Like, you can get just about anyone to give you a dollar. You could be in line somewhere at the gas station next to a stranger, and people will give you a dollar. And I've just been thinking lately, like, man, I got social media. We got, you know, thousands of people we reach in there. Then we have you guys from the radio show, everyone listening on urbanfamilytalk.com, jwillmusic.com. And I'm thinking like, man, this is a lot of people. And if I can get everybody to give me a dollar, then I may be on to something. You feel what I'm saying? Like, Because think about it. It ain't going to hurt you. I'm only asking you for a dollar. But I'm asking 100,000 people for a dollar so I can get a quick $100,000. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it sounds like a pretty good get-rich-quick scheme. Let's go ahead and call it a scheme because that's what it is. Let's just own that. Let's just own the fact that this is a scheme. This has zero integrity. I just want $100,000 from you. Of course, I'm just joking. Well, I'm kind of joking. I have had this thought like, yo, if it ever gets real rough out here for your boy, like, and I don't got nothing if I lose it all, I'm thinking, well, I got all these people. If I ask 50,000 people for a dollar and 10,000 people give it to me, then that's a come up. You know what I'm saying? Like we can get through a couple months. We can pay a couple bills with that. So I'm just saying, if you ever see me out here asking for a dollar, um, send two. Thank you. Man, I hope it never get that bad for me out here. But just know this. If it gets to the point where I'm on this show asking you for money, I done already tried everything else because you know how we get sometimes when people start asking us for money, we start giving them ideas of how they can get the money. Like, hey, bro, um, can I borrow ten dollars? And so, hey, well, you know what, brother? You know, uh, my grass need to be cut. If you can uh, go out, you, you might as well just start a grass cutting. L- listen, bro, I done already tried to cut grass. You know what I'm saying? I ain't that good at it. That's why I'm asking you for the dollar. So listen, if I'm asking y'all for money, just know. I done already restarted every business I ever had. We done brought Bellwether Fashion back. For y'all who don't know, as a matter of fact, yes, I used to be a fashion designer. And I had a company called Bellwether Fashion. And it was pretty dope. Listen, we had a millionaire mindset tee. Oh, yeah, that was a super popular design. Millionaire mindset. It was created because of this idea that I started understanding through reading that the mindset of a millionaire is actually more valuable than a million dollars. A lot of things I say sound a little off when you first hear it until you take a step back and think about what I'm actually saying. I think we have it backwards. I think society is teaching us to chase money and have the desire to be a millionaire. 
I think what really will help us help our economy, our personal economy, our situation in our homes is to chase the millionaire mindset. I have carefully thought about this and done a lot of reading on this topic and a lot of research. And I came to the conclusion that it is the millionaire mindset that can change your lives financially, even more than that of the actual money. Because why? Money doesn't solve a money problem. You feel what I'm saying? Like, everybody got the stimulus check when it came out a few years ago. Everyone gets their taxes back and all of those type of things every year. But the same individuals are also broke every single year. And I'm just sitting back thinking, like, why is money not solving the money problem is because it's not the actual tangible resource or asset of money that will change your life. It is the mindset. Let me speak for myself. I'm not pointing fingers. I grew up in poverty and that's not a knock on my community, my household or anything like that. I had to realize that as much as I love my community, as much as I love my family, we have a poverty mindset. And I didn't start being delivered from that mindset until I first realized that, yo, this is a personal thing. This is something that in the way I'm thinking that's causing me, for instance, to live check to check. Like we joke about dodging bill collectors and those type of things. And it wasn't until I started thinking differently about those things and taking some of these principles from millionaires. And I'm talking self-made millionaires. There's a lot to learn from a self-made millionaire because they went through what? A process. They went through a process. Okay, so here's what I want to do. This may actually be the birth of a new segment. I'm not sure if this is going to be a one-time thing or not, but I want to do something called the millionaire mindset. And what we're going to do is choose someone and kind of talk about their story, dissect their story, and try to learn something from it. Keep in mind, when I'm using individuals, especially if we're talking about something that's quote unquote negative, like a person going broke, I'm not trying to bash them or anything like that. And that's not the way that I want us to view them. Like, oh man, he's stupid. He dumb. No, because this could be any one of us. The idea is for us to look at a situation and really see ourselves in it. Like, man, it's not about the amount of money. It's about the principle. Millionaire mindset. All right, so let's get into it. I want to look at the story of Evander Holyfield and how he went broke. If you don't know who Evander Holyfield is, he was a heavyweight champion of the world, famous boxer, really most known for uh, his fight with Mike Tyson in 1997, where my man just went ahead and bit his ear off. You know what I'm saying? Mike went ahead and took a bite out of crime and just took the whole left side of my man ear off. I think it was the left side. But anyway, his ear got fixed and he good now. Evander Holyfield made over $230 million in his boxing career. For the bike fight alone, he made $34 million. Now, let's take a step back. If you hit me off with $34 million in one night, I'm thinking I'm gonna be straight for the rest of my life. First of all, because I know I haven't even made $34 million yet, in my lifetime. Let's just take this on, on the low end. What if you could cash every check you ever got in your life tonight? Ooh, cause you make a lot of money. 34 mil in one night, you thinking, oh, I'm set for the rest of my life. Yeah, maybe, maybe not though. Not if you don't have a millionaire mindset because Evander Holyfield 
had the millions of dollars, but he never had the millionaire mindset. Oh, it's getting crazy in here. Let's talk about some of the things that were going on in Holyfield's life that don't qualify as the millionaire mindset. First and foremost, he had 11 children with nine different women. 11 kids, nine women. Now, no offense to anyone, but that's some of the effects of poverty that's following us, right? We go out and we have kids everywhere and we do all this stuff because we're young, we're uneducated, we're illiterate, and we're not thinking about it. And okay, if that's your situation now, look, you got to deal with what you got to deal with and you got beautiful kids, so let's make this thing work. I'm just being real about the fact that that's not something that we want to teach the next generation because let's just stick with finances. We don't even have to deal with the moral issues and sin and all that. Um, It's kind of expensive, bro. You want to know how expensive it was? One of the women was getting $3,000 a month in child support from this man. That's one mama. Bro, you got nine mamas and 11 kids. Now, I don't know that everyone was getting the same amount. Um, I know he was making at the time like $604,000 a month, $3,000 a month to one mama. Let's just average it out. Dude paying $30,000 a month in child support. A month. That's crazy. You $360,000 a year in just child support. By the time your kid's 10 years old, bruh, you done paid $3.6 million in child support. This is a lot of money. What am I saying? Because he had the millions, but he didn't have the millionaire mindset. This is something in our society and in impoverished communities where there are a lot of broken homes where people just go around and haphazardly have children without thinking about any of the effects that are going on, mostly because our communities are not educated in those senses. And then the education, quote unquote, that we do get typically comes from the people who want to keep us impoverished, people like the abortion agencies and things like that. So the information we're getting is coming from, a, you know, a source that is biased to keep us impoverished. So what is my point? First things first, let's just look at that and mirror it with a biblical principle, traditional home, the way God created it, where a mother and a father is married and they have their children. Now, I know a lot of us, I wasn't born in that type of situation, so I have no value or benefit in judging people in that situation. It's, remember, it's not about trying to judge where you are. It's about where we're projecting to and just trying to enhance our minds to go to a different place. So what am I saying? Yes, I'm a product of a broken home. I don't want that for my children. I sure don't want it 11 times. Like, look, bro, I understand. Hey, you messed up twice. You got... Uh, your kids with your former girl and you're married now and y'all got a beautiful, happy family. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm so with now it. let's get I'm into his it. house. Dude had a 54,000 square foot mansion with 109 bedrooms. Okay, pause. 109 bedrooms. Listen, y'all, I had to say it the right way. He don't have 109. He got 109. And so what ends up happening when we have an impoverished mindset, when we get money, we don't understand how the money actually works. So we overspend. Now, again, this is a principle. You can make $15 an hour and be doing the same thing that he's doing, making millions. So don't get so caught up on the fact that he had millions. Look at the principle that's happening. Listen, man, do you need 109 bedrooms? I'm sure 15 would suffice. I know. Okay. 
well, wait a minute. You got 11 kids, bro. So let's just say if you want, okay, maybe he needed 20. You know what I'm saying? Did he actually ever even go inside 109 rooms? What am I saying? In the lifestyles that we're living, make sure the things that we're spending money on are good investments on top of that, right? Because I don't know how hard it is to sell a home like that, but I'm sure the average person walking around doesn't need 109 bedrooms. That was his situation. What did he end up having to do? In 2008, he was going broke. You know, he owed more money than he had. There was a landscaping company that was suing him from his 2006 and 7 landscaping bill. He had back pay of over a half a million dollars, $500,000 in landscaping bills. Because if you have a mansion like this, these are the things we don't think about when it comes to money. Oh, I want a nice car. Oh, I want a nice house. Oh, I want this. Do you know how much it takes to cut the grass at a house with 109 rooms? Listen, in one December, and I'm assuming this must be because of Christmas lights, his light bill was $17,000. I know you got 11 kids. Do you need the tree lit up tonight? Okay, let, let's turn out half of the light. Listen, y'all, what am I trying to say? All jokes aside, no offense to Evander Holyfield. I hope and pray that he's doing much better right now. And I have no intent of trying to use his name for us to laugh at or mock him or something like that. That's not the goal. But this is public information. He's a celebrity. So I'm using the information that's already out there to try to learn from it. And also to bring light to things that a lot of times we don't know. We see people on TV. We think they're living a perfect life. But in reality... They're living with more money, but they're living the same lifestyle that you live in because money doesn't transform you. It just allows you to express who you already are. True transformation happens in your mind. That's why Paul wrote in Romans, be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. It is a dangerous thing to give someone money who has not first had a renewed mind. They'll just end up broke again. It doesn't matter if you win the lottery. It doesn't matter if you win a lawsuit. Until your mind has been renewed, until you've been transformed mentally, it won't matter because that poverty is in your mind. And we got to get out of that, man. Um, hopefully you got something out of the Holyfield story. And man, that's a crazy situation. But never look at someone and think, oh, that couldn't be me because me, 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 me. Nah, you'll be the main one out here going broke. Going broke. Going you know broke. what? If you got broke. softer bones, Where did you come from, man? It would make this studio much more intimate. You know, the, I don't want the studio to be intimate because it's my, it's just me. It's, it, uh, like, it, it's it, obviously not just you because I'm here. Right, but it, okay, if you could just read in between the lines, a cold feeling studio that's not welcoming means that other people aren't actually supposed to step in here. You know, it's kind of like my little sacred area of, of like where I come and make music and record a show and do things that, you know, mean something to me. I'm very comfortable right now. <laughs> you know, and that's the problem. <laughs> Listen, man, I was thinking earlier today and I, you know, the only reason I came by. Okay. Is to have a deep conversation with you, brother. All right. What you got for me today, man? All right. So this is what I was thinking about. I, I, I remember this because... I, do you cook? Um, does microwaving <laughs> the leftovers <laughs> from yesterday count as cooking? Okay. So no. 
Okay. Um, I cook a little bit. Not, I'm not a cook by any stretch of the imagination, but I try to dabble a little bit. Uh, I'm much better now that I'm married. Oh, okay. Because I really actually do have a help meet, mm. and she can cook. So okay. Um, but a few years ago, I was trying to cook something, mm. and in the middle of cooking, now I looked at this recipe a couple times before, but in the middle of cooking, okay. I realized that I didn't have one of the ingredients. Ooh. See, I'm wait I was waiting to get deep. It's like <laughs> when you hit me with these deep conversations now, now I'm like I'm just waiting for that moment. But but it's not deep yet. I'm just Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I think it was uh what do you call it? Con- condensed milk. I think we call it. I think we call it pet milk. Mm. But uh which is weird. Disgusting anyway like, <laughs> yeah, why would I want I, to go? Anyway, I don't know. So, I, you know what I had to do? Because I didn't have it, and I, I couldn't go to the store because I literally was in the middle of cooking. Oh, okay. I had to Google how to make pet milk or condensed milk or mm. whatever. And it was some long process. Like, I had to, I don't remember exactly, but I had process. to take some See, that, regular. See, that word just get me going, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I had to take, like, I, I needed two and a half cups of, of condensed milk or pet milk. And I had to take like five cups mm. of regular milk, okay, and boil it until the the he, the water vapors or whatever in it boiled out, wow. and it went down to two and a half cups and it ended up being condensed. But some something like that, I don't remember all the details. Sound like you lying, but go ahead. No, no, it really, this really happened. It really okay. did happen, and it it didn't come out great. But <laughs> <laughs> but but what I was oh, thinking man. about is you made spoiled milk. It, right. <laughs> <laughs> to make spoiled milk. Isn't that what buttermilk is, though? Couldn't isn't tell it, you. I don't cook. Isn't it just... I think it's just like... I don't know ingredients. I just know finished products. Ah! And, and okay, okay. Now, I'm glad you said that because okay. you actually brought me into the Ooh, deep conversation. Okay. How many times do we start something without looking at the full picture? Man. And halfway through it, we realize this is not going to work, mm. and we have to back out. So I'm assuming, mm-hmm. oh, I actually get going. It sounds <laughs> like this has happened to you before, my brother. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this, this feels personal. This, this one feels, something feels personal. Like, like, I feel like I need to sit on the couch right here. Right. And, you know, what, what you got, man? Come on. What, what actually, has... actually, I probably need to lay on the couch. <laughs> Because, you know, it's happened many times before, but I mean, I think Jesus summed it up best when he talked about counting the cost yeah, he told before the you do that, something. For sure. You know, and I think we have to be very, very careful to not jump into something, not being prepared. Ooh, so hasty decisions. And, and you know what? I think we do that because we're impatient. Mm-hmm. You know. The Bible talks about letting patience have her perfect work. Mm. It, when you think about that, let her have her complete work. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's basically saying, you know, let her do what she does to to make the situation right. Because what ends up happening when you're not prepared mm-hmm. because you lack patience, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about if you're rushing, a lot of times you're rushing, you don't have the time to count up the cost and be prepared for whatever you're going to go right. into. So then you find yourself in the middle of something and you got to try to fake it. 
You know what I'm saying? You got to try to make this milk yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you would have just slowed down in the beginning, yep. then a little prepared, go look at look over your ingredients. You know what I'm saying? Look, mm-hmm. Make sure you have everything before you start cooking. Right. But no, you're disobedient. So you just <laughs> right. Well, I mean, but really, when you when you when you look at it, when you start making something according to the directions, according to the recipe, but you end up having to alter the recipe, then the outcome is going to be different. You change everything. Exactly. You change one thing, you change everything. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you think about that recipe, God's recipe for our lives. There are mm-hmm. things that God wants us to do, um, instructions that he wants us to follow. Mm-hmm. And when we go off track with one thing, it changes everything about the situation. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that one of the great things about the Lord is kind of how we look at a GPS when the GPS can recalculate you from where you are. Yes. But sometimes we don't even listen to that. Sometimes we still, you know, I'm and I'm going off into another deep conversation. Right, Excuse right. me, let me not go there. <laughs> but my point is that, you know, things can still work out for our good. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of repentance. When we turn away and allow God to kind of recalculate us. But too many times wanting to be in control of things and again, not wanting to be patient, mm-hmm. then we kind of take things off track. And when you're faking stuff, man, it's just not the real thing. You know right. what I mean? Like, so it's like, regardless of how long you was about to boil that horrible milk you were boiling in there, <laughs> right. like it wasn't going <laughs> to taste like the pet milk in the can, right? you know, from the store. Exactly. Because that stuff has been prepared the right way, took the time. I hate rushing too. Yeah. That's something like I hate last minute stuff and I hate rushing. Mm. Rushing just makes me feel like unprepared. Ex- there you have it. Yeah. Man, it's amazing that God has this recipe for us. But because I was telling somebody the other day, our society now is a microwave society. Oh, don't get me started. No one wants to wait on anything. Do you remember dial up? Yeah. The internet. Yeah. You yeah, know, I remember you, that. Click the little button, the little Noise. yellow man is running across the screen, and you hear the uh, yeah, make you feel like it's doing something. Stop, man. <laughs> Literally Sorry, just turned yeah. into a computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to do it because I'm sure most people listening are probably not even old enough to know that what is, we're talking about right now. So I had to get them an example of how annoying it was. But but get the, it wasn't annoying to us. It was all we knew. It was all we knew. We it was exciting because we knew when that thing finished making that weird sound that we were like going to be connected. I like that. So so sometimes when things are taking, let's say, longer than you mm-hmm. wanted them to or expected them to, mm-hmm. sometimes you should take that time to allow yourself to get excited and mm. anticipating. You know what I mean? Where this is going to go and. I've been telling people a lot lately, obviously having the show, Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's going. If you want me to be honest, the the one thing I know is that I'm operating in God's will right now. Mm -hmm. I trust and know that this show is God's will for today. Right. But I'm not worried about having everything figured out 
What I am co concerned about is making sure that I maximize the show and make sh making sure that I maximize the timing in which I've been allowed to have the show. Mm. Because it may not be there forever. It may be one month. It may be one year. It may be 20 years. I don't know. But when we try to figure all of that out and get in God's way, a lot of times it's like, no, just trust that I'm giving you the right ingredients. Yeah. And enjoy it be excited that that the internet is about the computer's about to come on right the internet's right. about to be connected mm -hmm. that was the thing about that dial up connection is like you knew you liked this new thing called the internet yep and you were waiting on it to be connected like ooh i like this Let and, me. There, and there was only one way ooh. to be connected there was no other way if you wanted to be on the internet you was going to have to wait for that dial up to wait and so again it wasn't like an annoying thing at first you know it was like it was fresh. It was exciting. It was new. But the problem is we get so impatient now. Like now, you your phone is literally a computer. It's crazy. You could go on there and find any. So everything is like right there in your face. Everything is like so quick and so fast. Um, I, my wife and I were going to, neither one of us has ever made a pound cake. But I found this recipe for a five flavored pound cake. On, did you post that on Facebook? I did. I did. And I it looked, literally expect y'all to save me and Tiff a piece of that cake. Okay, when we when we make it, I, I will. But you know what uh, irritated me actually about the instructions? What it said, and once you make you know mix the batter and all that, and you put it in the bunt pan and put it in the oven, it said, "Do not open the oven until it's done." Woo! <laughs> don't, hey, don't lack patience. You know, you talked about this being a microwave society. And when you think about that, you started this off asking me, do I cook? Mm -hmm. I said, no, I microwave stuff. Mm -hmm. When you microwave things, you don't need ingredients. Mm -hmm. You're just taking something that someone else has already prepared and cooked. And I guess in some cases you could have cooked it, but not in my case. <laughs> someone else has prepared this. Mm -hmm. I'm taking it. All I got to do is put it on the plate, push a couple of buttons and wait for it to be done. And so part of the impatience of our society is that we don't understand what it takes to create something from scratch. Mm. Like grandma's biscuits ain't like the joints you pop out of the little uh, can, the canister that, right. you know, that pop out and you throw them in there for 10 minutes. Grandma was making dough and doing whatever. And right. so those biscuits mean something more to grandma than they do to me because all I had to do was pop it open. And so part of understanding the journey and being excited about the journey and having faith about what you don't know and just trusting God if he has you on a path mm -hmm. is like you get to learn things that make it mean something. You know, it's funny you said that because I, 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 I don't want to take up too much time. Actually, I, actually, I do. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm sure you do. All my life until I was probably 30, I had made. So 30 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have <laughs> always made craft. Macaroni and cheese. Hmm. And I thought I was doing something. Pour them noodles in there, <laughs> let them boil. You take that little packet of cheese, mix it with some oh. milk, pour it on there, you good. Okay. But I remember the first time I actually made real macaroni and cheese. Mm. When I finished, I was sweating. I was tired because I didn't know I had to mix. You, you know, know that, 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 that little pouch of cheese. In the craft macaroni and cheese, in, in the craft yeah. box, there's so much more to making the sauce that goes on the macaroni yeah. and cheese. And I actually learned it from your father-in-law. Yeah, he the got recipe. the best macaroni and oh cheese. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, second best now, because I, I think I done out-topped him, Doc. No, that's not true. You can't. 
I can't out out teach the master. Nah, nah, you can't do that, man. But yeah, but I come had on, to Daniel, make son. You can't outdo <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> but yeah, I had to make that cheese from scratch, and that was a that was again a, a, your, one of your favorite words. It was a process. He gave you his recipe. Yes, he gave you a recipe, and all you had to do was follow it. Mm. You didn't have to go and add nothing to it or take nothing away from it. And God's word is mm. his recipe for our lives. Yes, it is. We don't have to add to the word. We don't have to take away from the word like, oh, you know what? I, I want it a little more cheesier. It's like, no, he knows it's his recipe. His recipe. And you ask for the recipe because you saw what he had and found value in it. Right. And so what I, what I really take from this is that the Lord has a recipe for us. And we have to take our time and make sure we go over it and review it and make sure we don't skip any steps. You know, speaking for myself, I've skipped steps before in life. Oh, yeah. And you end up setting yourself back years sometimes. Like It's mm. like, man, you set yourself back and you have to work twice as hard to get anywhere when God is looking like, yeah, well, see, I never told you to make that left turn over there. Mm. I, I never told you to try to create your own condensed milk. Right. I made it to where I told you the recipe on the front end. You were supposed to make sure you had everything. Mm. So um, that was deep. That that was real deep. Um, cool. And and now I'm now I'm tired of you. Like, Actually, I'm gonna go to the store and buy some softer bugs. It really needs to be more comfortable. You know, do not bring man. You I'm better not get them, man. Don't right, bring no bugs back in here, dude. Get out. Somebody like that door, man. <sighs> I'm so tired of him. And you know we all get tired sometimes. And when I'm tired. I like to encourage myself. I like to inspire myself to go after the things that God has called me to do. And you know how I do that? With today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Afraid To Be Great. This is an actual album, an EP, whatever you want to call it. It's by the James Boys. You know who that is? The James Boys consist of blood brothers who form a super group. One is a rapper, um, that's me. Uh, the other is a singer, guitar player, drummer, and everything else. His name is Darius James. Holler at him on Instagram at DJ is the name. We released a project back in 2015 in the spring called Afraid to Be Great. You can get this project. Yes, you can go get it right now. You know where you can find it? On a website. Type in on your cell phone, computer, or whatever you use these days. JermaineWilson.bandcamp.com. Again, that's JermaineWilson.bandcamp.com and look for the album Afraid to Be Great. This is a six track acoustic EP that we recorded live in one day. Of course, songs are produced by Darius James himself, songs are produced by my homie and my producer, Darrell Red Campbell Jr. We came to the studio and made it happen, and now you can make it happen by going to get it. Visit JermaineWilson.BandCamp.com. You will not regret it. Okay, earlier we talked a little bit about the millionaire mindset, and I want you guys to understand something. The millionaire mindset is not about having a lot of money. It's about being a good steward over whatever you have, money or resource. So we talked about it from a practical standpoint. Now what I think is really important is to let's dig into the biblical principle behind this whole idea of a millionaire mindset and where it came from. Let's spend some time and dig into the word, the word, 
the way. Yo, dig it to the way. Hey, hey, hey. hey. All right, my bad. I'm sorry. Let me get into my deep voice, uh, my, my church spiritual voice, since we're about to read the word. Where did that even come from? Just random real quick. Like, why did pastors and bishops and, you know, different people in church start talking? Why do people get weird when they read in the Bible? Turn your Bibles to Genesis uh, chapter 41. Uh, it's like, man, you sound like you're hurting, bro. And y'all got to pray for me. I apologize. I have no issues with the different types of pastors and preachers out there in the world. But they are funny to me. I'm sorry. I visualize it as like the churchy Avengers. And I view different pastor characters as like the different superheroes with different powers. Like Bishop Man. That's the dude that just take himself way too serious. He always got to like whisper when he preach. It's like, shh, shh, wait, wait, wait. Watch this, watch this. Uh, uh, God said that it is your time. And if it is your time, then you need a new watch, young man. And I, it's, it's like, like, man, y'all like tripping. Like All right, we in Genesis like chapter 41. And Joseph at this point is still locked up. My man is in prison. But he had met these dudes a couple of years prior. One of the dudes being the guy who holds Pharaoh's cup. He was in prison for a minute too. And Joseph interpreted a dream, basically told my man, yo, just remember me when you get out. Put in a good word. Of course, that didn't happen. Okay, so that's just the backstory to bring you up to speed. Verse one, after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. Verse eight. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to him. So pause. Basically, Pharaoh has these dreams. My man ain't feeling too good about what he dreamed and him being who he is in the kingdom. He just calling everybody magicians, wise men. He calling whoever he could think of because it was bothering him, so he just wanted his dream interpreted. But here's the crazy thing about it. All those people, all the quote-unquote wise men and the magicians and all these people, they couldn't interpret his dream. Isn't that kind of funny? Like these people that got all this power, powerful, but really no real power at all. Now we in verse 9. Peep this. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I each having a dream with his own interpretation. Verse 12, a young Hebrew was there with us. That's talking about Joseph, of course, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. All right, so cool. It took my man two years. You get what I'm saying? It took him two years to remember. Really what I take from that part is that it's a process. It process. It's a process, people. Things don't happen overnight the way that we want them to all the time. That's what I get from there. Let's go to verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. Pause. Quickly. It's interesting in life to me that you can wait years for something. One word that I want to stay in your mind today is preparation. Because whenever the Lord calls someone to move on your behalf or whenever he does what he's gonna do in your life, it happens quickly. And if you aren't prepared for a quick move, it takes time, but it happens quickly. 
I know that's kind of an oxymoron. Like it took two years. Yep, it took two years for God to say go. But when God says go, it happens quick. All right. I just want y'all to remember that they move quickly. They brought Joseph out of the pit. And when he shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. Verse 15. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. But listen to what Joseph said. I love his response in verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Man, it's not in me. It's not about me being puffed up or being arrogant or thinking I'm the man because God is using me. And so I want us to look at the fact that whatever God is doing and using you to do, like, let's make sure we're giving him that glory, you know, because sometimes it's easy, me included, it's easy to forget, like, it's the Lord that gives us the ability to do it. And I think that's important because Joseph was kind of dope. Like, he could have got caught up like, oh, yeah, that's me, bro. Like, yeah, I'm interpreting left and right. What you got? What's going on? Like, no, Joseph was like, no, that's not me. Now, let's go down to verse 26. This is where Joseph actually starts interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. Verse 28. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. 29. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all of the land of Egypt. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. All right, pause. Joseph is telling Pharaoh right now, like, look, bruh, y'all about to have seven good years. And in these seven years, it's going to be plentiful. The land is going to be plentiful. But right after that, the seven years after are going to be so bad that people are going to forget the seven good years. I know y'all thinking right now, what does this have to do with the millionaire mindset? It's cool. It's about to make sense in one second. Verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. 34. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. Joseph just hit him with the plan. Joseph basically told Pharaoh, look, take one fifth during the good years, 20%. Take 20% during the good years and save that up because you already know that this famine is coming. And this whole idea of taking 20% of what you have today when you're living in plenty and putting it up and being a good steward over it, not just eating like crazy, not just getting fat because we having good times. Let's live it up. Let's do what we do. No, Joseph hit him with the plan, but there are a couple of great things that happen in here. Pharaoh basically looks at Joseph, you know, in a later chapter, and is basically like, yo, it's you. You're telling me to go and find someone who can execute this plan, but the plan came from you. But what did Joseph tell us earlier in verse 16? It's not from me. I'm not interpreting the dreams. This is God's plan. 
This is God's purpose. This is why we have to trust God's purpose for our life and not be so worried about our own selfish ambitions and the things we want to do because God has a greater plan. God gave Joseph the plan. When Joseph gave it to Pharaoh, Pharaoh was basically like, yo, you're no longer in prison, my man. We're putting you in this position, basically second command, only answering to me. Okay, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I know in another show that I'm going to cover this, so we're not going to talk deep about it. Later on in this story, we learned that God's plan was to preserve the lives of Joseph's people, his brothers, his family, the children of Israel. God's plan is to preserve life because his brothers would end up needing this food that was stored up. They were some of the people that were coming and during these years of famine needed to eat. I truly believe in my heart that the biblical principles are the way that we should be looking at and guiding our minds and our hearts and our decisions that we're making and not just moving out of our emotions. So hopefully it makes a little more sense now. The millionaire mindset is about being a good steward, the way Joseph was a good steward, the way he had a plan from God. And he wasn't just freestyling. He was actually executing a very detailed plan that the Lord gave him. Listen, ask God what's his plan for you. That's all I'm saying. And follow that. And follow that. All right, people. Let's get social. It's time to get social. Let's get social. It's time to get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Guys, people, let's get social. And for those of you who don't know what that means, let me tell you. It means that you don't pay attention. It means that you were probably skipping through some of the shows and you missed it when I explained it. Or it means you are new to the Inspire Guys People family. And so let me explain it to all of y'all right quick. Very simple. I'm just reading through my social media posts, giving you guys a little more insight and detail behind how I was thinking when I made that post and sharing with you what some of the reactions were with my social media friends and family. All right, let's get into it. A couple of weeks ago, I asked the question, parents, do you allow your children age 12 and under to listen to explicit music? You know what was funny? Right from the start, people were defending allowing their children to listen to secular music. And it was almost as if people had some type of guilty conscience because I never mentioned secular music. I specifically just said, let's talk about explicit music because I know that it's hard to have a secular music conversation and people to be sober-minded about it because what we do on social media is pretty much just defend whatever our position is. And for those of you who know me, you know that that's not ever my goal is to just argue with people for sake of arguing. I just want to have a conversation, some dialogue, and I want to make you think. So that's how I worded the question. Now, the great thing is most people said no. They don't allow their children age 12 and under to listen to explicit music. But look, man, I did have a couple of people that said they do. I even specify like, hey, I'm talking about extreme sexual content and violence. And they were like, yeah, I know. I think someone even said that they do it because their daughter is going to hear it anyway. I would just challenge anyone thinking like that to think about the power of a parental cosign. 
Like as a parent, when you tell your children that it's okay to do something, man, that's going to really make them believe they're supposed to do it. I know that to this day, when my parents give me advice, I take it to heart. So you got to be careful about that power and that influence you have as a parent. I know that kids out here doing crazy stuff. I know that they're going to be tempted and they're going to see it in the world. But some things should not be coming from the cosign of a parent. Okay, here's another post I made. On December 23rd, I said, I wrote a Christmas song for those praying for a husband or wife. It's called Single Bells. This had 219 likes, 87 comments, and 10 shares. Y'all like Single Bells, huh? Single Bells, Single Bells, Single all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride by yourself on an open sleigh. Hey, single bells, single bells, single all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride by yourself on an open sleigh. Hey, 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 woo! Felt something right there. Man. Man. Anybody Man. who knows Lavelle knows that Man. he does crazy churchy stuff like that all the time. And so this is what happens when you allow yourself to have churchy friends. So if you have a problem with that, please do not hit me up saying you have a problem with it. Just hit up Lavelle at kneeldownproductions.com and let him know that his churchiness is wearing off on his friends that are not churchy. All right, thank you. Next post. Oh, this is a good one. 247 likes, 20 comments, 50 shares. I said, life isn't going to magically change when 2019 comes. You got to change first. Okay, this is pretty self-explanatory, but I also think it's very important to maybe speak a little more on this because what ends up happening at the end of the year slash beginning of the year is people just start saying stuff that they don't even have any intention on actually doing. Oh, it's getting close to December 31st, so let's just say all this stuff that you're leaving behind in 2018 and i'm like listen bro for the last few years on social media people been sharing the same type of memes like you dropping all this stuff in the last year and you walking into this new year and it's like you just so excellent and great and look i hope it happens for you but all i'm saying is that faith without works is dead and so simply posting a meme or a facebook post about what you're gonna do next year absolutely means nothing and i wanted y'all to know that so Let's get a couple more in and then I'll be done. In 2019, don't just get the bag, quote unquote, get financial education. Listen, that's what we've been talking about a lot today. And this was a semi-popular post, I guess, 137 likes, six comments, 23 shares. But listen, it's very important to know what to do with the finances that you obtain. So many times we like, yeah, get your money, bro. Yeah, get that. Oh, he getting bread, she getting bread. And it's like, well, if she doesn't know what to do with it, if he doesn't know what to do with it, then why do we keep telling people to get something? Or why do we celebrate the getting of things without encouraging people to get education on how to be stewards of the things? Because what good is it to have something and not know what to do with it? Could you imagine walking around with a bar of soap, but you don't know like how soap works? So you just trying it on different stuff. It's like, this is body soap, bruh. And you outside washing your car with some Dove. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't make sense. And that's literally how we look 
when we have money or resources or other things in our lives and we're using it wrong. It's like, yo, look, look at me washing my car with the Dove body soap, sensitive skin soap. Um, sidebar, I do remember one time when I was little and my grandma had a friend, God rest his soul, and he painted his truck with some house paint. I love you, brother. For real, for real. Listen, y'all, it's been an amazing show today. And before we move forward, I want to have Lavelle come pray us out, man. And just ask the Lord to help us to be good stewards and have that millionaire mindset. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, thanking you that you are the master teacher. God, that you show us everything that we need to know, God. And even in the area of our finances, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to teach us how to walk in the Spirit and not be led by our fleshly desires. God, we pray that you help us in the area of finances, God. That you would help us to not haphazardly spend money, God, but to learn how to save and what to buy or what not to buy, but to listen to your voice, oh God. But we also pray, God, that you would help us to obey you, to obey your word, to obey the promptings of your spirit when you are speaking to us concerning our finances, God. And Lord, we specifically pray right now for those who are going through in their finances, God. Lord, we don't pray that you would make us rich, but God, we pray that you would teach us how to be content with what we have. Even as your servant Paul said, he has learned how to be a base and he's learned how to have much. Help us out of any situations that we may have gotten ourselves into, God, by spending money that we should not have, God. We repent, and we do ask for help, God, to go forward and do what you have called us to do with our finances. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you so much that you love us enough to teach us and to show us the way, knowing that you have our best in mind. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lavelle, for a powerful prayer. We're going to jump right into the J-Wheel music song of the day. It's called I Gotta Go by the James Boys. That's me, J-Wheel music, and my brother Darius James. Darrell Red Campbell on bass. Junior. Yeah, let's go. Woo! Cause I gotta go to a higher place I'm not gonna get comfortable Because I gotta go to a higher place I can't just see it here You see we gotta call and come not like To ignore it just ain't right We gotta go can't you sit and get comfortable Miracles don't happen in the comfort zone You gotta do something you've never done before Oh, don't be afraid Sometimes it fails, sometimes you won't If you don't move, you'll never know How far you go 
much potential Oh, I've been by everything you've been through Forget you I'm not gonna get comfortable Because I gotta go Into a higher place I'm not gonna get comfortable Because I gotta go Into a higher place Talking, but you're not listening. Stuck in a room full of puppets, idolizing a ventriloquist. The world is a complex puzzle. When you piece it together, your only concern is fitting in. Uh, we really think more likes equal more love. That's why we show our pretty faces and hide our faith. It's so uncomfortable to talk about God in front of non-believers on the job. I hope that he forgot about that one time. They asked if I'm Christian and I said no. Uh, and I'm wondering why I'm dead broke. And I ain't talking about cash, I'm talking about heart. Even though that wasn't what you asked for. Uh, I'd rather give you what you need. Cause what you want is like an orange from an apple seed. And if that apple grows up thinking he's an orange, I don't want you telling people that you got that from me. I'm gonna get comfortable. Cause I gotta go to a higher place. I'm not gonna get comfortable. I gotta go to a higher place. Let the music play. I gotta go to a higher place. Oh, I'm not gonna get comfortable, yeah. Because I gotta go to a higher place. I'm not gonna get comfortable. I'm not gonna get comfortable. I gotta go. I gotta go. We gotta go now, yeah. Help me say, don't get, yeah, come, yeah, don't get, hey, comfortable, don't get comfortable, yeah, yeah, don't get, don't get comfortable, Thank you for listening. The song is called I Gotta Go. And if you want to hear more, visit JermaineWilson.bandcamp.com. J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E-W-I-L-S-O-N dot B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P dot C-O-M.